something is wrong, and it's time to stand up. You are listening to the John Age Show. Trust no one. Trust no one. Trust no one. You found it. You're here. You're headlong down the runaway train that is the Anomic Age, and I am your host, John Age. Happy to be back with you once again in the not-so-wee hours at a p.m. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. Not this evening. I'll be your tour guide as we take a somewhat satirical journey down the path of murder, destruction, and the extermination of human life on this planet. A forced march into obsolescence thrust upon us by a global satanic death cult of pedophiles. That's exactly where we are, folks. So uh, thanks for tuning in. You know the deal. If you have not already done so, please check out anomicage.com. Share all those likes. Subscribe to all the subscriptions. And share those links, friends, family. Loved ones and enemies. We picked up a heck of a lot of new listeners in the past couple months. So if you're listening to this on whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on, uh, you can also watch this. You can watch this at anomicage.com. You can watch all the information breakdown segments. You can watch all the shows that I've ever put out. Um, they're all there at anomicage.com. Uh, full disclosure, there's one show that you can't watch because... Um, well, I don't know how far to get into it. The person that was the guest uh, kindly asked me, uh, for your own sake, you might want to pull this because I'm about to get sued by the feds. So I quite quite happily said yes. I, I will pull this down until you tell me otherwise. So nevertheless, there's one show missing, but the rest are all there at anomicage.com. And to all those new listeners, thank you so much. You can definitely watch this in the live streaming variety as well. I'm streaming right now. Live on Facebook and live on uh, on Twitter. So you can watch me live on there and you can interact and all that good stuff too. If I can get enough money coming in, I will get back on to, to, to the restream in a paid variety and I'll stream to a lot of a lot more than just two platforms at a time. But um, until I do, we're just streaming to two platforms at a time right now. Nevertheless, if you like all that, paypal.me forward slash anomicage, patreon.com forward slash anomicage as well. If you're into Shatoshis, you can get onto the lightning link right down there below that, and you can send me some Bitcoin fragments if you are uh, so inclined. But as I always say, it's free for you, but not free for me. This is in no way a free broadcast for me, so you would uh, you would be thanked so much if you could send me some some quan if you will to pay for all the stuff that there is to pay for right around now right around here so uh other stuff you can get for absolutely nothing iphone app or android app so you can listen to me on the go in the car at the gym at grammy's house or wherever you happen to be you can listen to me if you get those two apps you can also Subscribe by email link, and you can get the direct email link. It usually shows up a couple hours after I've posted a show, but you can easily unsubscribe to all that, as well as a free newsletter. You can do that too, anomicage.com. I can't recommend it enough. 
I'm on a lot of the usual suspect social media outlets, except for now I'm not on YouTube, so you won't find me there, but you can find me on virtually all the other ones. Um, I'm back on Twitter again after about a four-year hiatus, so I'm on Twitter. Find me there. Hashtag Anomicage. Hashtag John Age, and I'm recent on Instagram also. So if you're into any of that, you know what to do. If you can do no more, you can share these links. You can put these on your email list. You can post it in whatever social media and or message board you might be posting into. You can do all that. All right, let's delve into it today. And we're going to go deep into the pool today, folks. So if you're listening to this, expecting for a little shallow into the pool analysis on some current events topics, this might not be the one to listen to. I'm going deep dive on an academic article, and we're going to hit the, the deep into the pool, and we're going to, in, in doing so, we're going to encapsulate how this uh, comes back around again into our current society. And I'm going to be, if you're watching this live, I'm going to be showing you the article pretty much most of the show. I'll pop my head in to just show you my face here and there, but uh, it's going to be a lot of this academic article. It's from 1973. Uh, Death Squared, the Explosive Growth and Demise of a Mouse Population. This is by John B. Calhoun, M.D., Section of Behavioral Systems, Laboratory of Brain Evolution and Behavior, National Institute of Mental Health, and it gives you the 9,000 Rockville Pike Maryland address uh, in this article as well. Uh, Royal Society of Medicine, Volume 66, January 1960, excuse me, 1973. Don't want to give you the wrong there. So uh, that's what we're going to be reading from in our hymnal, and uh, <laughs> we'll be covering that this evening. So if you were if you were just going to tune into some lighthearted fun, this ain't the show for you. We're going deep dive this evening. All right, let's get into it. Let's show you the picture on the screen, and I'll sort of walk you through it. There we go. And John B. Calhoun, this is Universe 25, and uh, you don't need that for right now. This is Universe 25 sort of research. He was doing this, I believe he actually began this in the late 1950s. And this sort of research continued through the 1960s and ended in the in the 1970s, the early 1970s, I might add. So that's where we're getting this information from. He's getting this. He's sort of culminating this research and referencing many times in this article some of his previous research done in the 60s. So what Mr. or should I say Dr. Calhoun was looking at here. He was looking at population increase and he was looking at how the population increase can be a determinative factor for, in essence, the population's demise. That's where he's getting this death squared. He's going to talk about the spiritual death and the physical death in this article. And he's going to link that all in as to how this is sort of a circular event that just cycles back and cycles back and indeed will cause the demise of the population. So he's linking the population increase here as being sort of the primary causative factor for both the spiritual and the physical death. 
So if you'll sort of set the stage with me here, we got uh, the book Population Bomb. We got John P. Holdren's Eco Science. We've got in this era a lot of people talking about the population increase is going to uh, to kill us all, so to speak. I even remember an old uh, an old All in the Family episode where the meathead was talking about just that, and and contemporaneous with this sort of time frame, it makes sense because that was what was going on. It was population bomb. We're all going to die, I tell you. And um, and that's that's what was up with this sort of mindset. And you would think we would have outgrown this with the more and more information that we have in our dossier, so to speak. But we haven't. We have not outgrown this age-old problem. Let me see. Palm book. I'm trying to make sure I'm not uh, misquoting here. John P. Holdren was eco-science, and Paul Ehrlich, he and his wife were involved in the book Population, The Population Bomb in 1968, and then he and his wife were helping John P. Holdren with his book Eco-Science. So all these people, or at least the three that I'm just mentioning here, were colleagues, they were mentor relationship, they were definitely pushing this agenda quite hard. And you saw during the first regime of Barry Satoro, you had John P. Holdren as the White House science czar. Yeah, the same John P. Holdren that was writing Eco-Science, which was pushing uh, forced sterilization, putting something in the food and water to sterilize people. And uh, that was the same John P. Holdren, heavily influenced by the population bomb. Paul Ehrlich book from 68. So just to connect all these dots here, we had a lot of that sort of synthesis of thought during this time frame. And you would have thought, as I mentioned a moment ago, that this would have all have, uh, have gotten washed out as we became supposedly smarter, but we just didn't. And you saw a lot of the same rhetoric, though not quite as overt, being pushed later on when you saw the Georgia Guidestones pop up in the early 1980s, uh, when you saw... The advent of Agenda 21, now Agenda 2030. And then you saw sort of all this being played out with a lot of the uh, the material coming out pre-PSYOP 19. So you saw a lot of this material sort of all connecting into dots where we need to do away with a lot of the population because, well, just because. <laughs> But nevertheless, that's not really the jag that we were getting off on in this article. He didn't go that far. He wasn't talking for killing the population. He wasn't saying any of that at all. I was just sort of setting the table uh, with some of this thought as we move forward. Okay, so back into the article here. So John B. Calhoun, MD, with his mice studies, what he was talking about here with his mice (laughs) was putting these mice in a perfect utopian society. Utopian society. I'm not drawing conclusions here that that's what Mr. Calhoun was suggesting, creating a heaven on earth. But I will say that is the the name of the game with a lot of these globalists. This is not what I'm saying with Dr. Calhoun at all. But that is the name of the game of the globalists. If we can just do away with the plebs, then we'll have a perfect utopian society, a heaven on earth. I mean, that's what was up. With eugenics, that's what was up with the German Ubermenschen. 
That's what's been up for a long time. If we can just rid the world of these useless eaters, we'll be all right. Again, that's not what Dr. Calhoun was suggesting. I'm just connecting dots here between some of these obvious obvious points. So Calhoun was definitely trying to create a perfect utopian society for the mice. So he was doing this, and I find this really telling. And when I went into this with Dr. Calhoun and began researching him, I did indeed find out he was a Christian. Yeah, I found that very surprising in the cult of academia that we did have a Christian. He mentions evolution here in the first paragraph of this article, but I'm kind of wondering if he wasn't talking about cultural evolution. Judging on the context, I think that's that's exactly what he's talking about. I don't think he was looking at this through the lens of a Darwinian evolution where we have fish crop up with feet that somehow over millions and billions of years turn into humans. I don't think that's what he was talking about. With the context of this article, I think it's fairly clear that he's talking about a cultural evolution. And I think if you can if you can argue that we've had a cultural evolution, if we look back Adam and Eve to now, our culture has evolved. It has changed drastically if we look at band societies, hunter-gatherer societies, all the way up to the state-level societies as we have them now. So I think that's what he was talking about there in his first article. But I find it very telling that he makes reference to the Bible several times in this article, most notably here in the first two paragraphs where he's talking about Revelation. He's talking about and quoting the book of Revelation. To him who conquers, I will grant to eat at the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And further on, he's saying here, that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. And so he's starting out talking about Revelation. And I, I didn't give you the whole first paragraph there, but he starts out talking about Revelation. And he's talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So he leads in with that, and then he, he discusses uh, several more quotes from Revelation. talking about the healing power of, of God and the tree of life. And that's not where he stops, so he continues talking about Revelation there. And he's quoting these four horsemen of the apocalypse. And he even has a table. I'll read it for you, and I'll put it on the screen for you, so uh, so you know where I'm talking about here. So if you're looking along with me in your hymnals here, this is what he's talking about. This is what I just read to you right here from this paragraph. The first one there. And Calhoun further takes us down this road. And I do find it kind of strange. Excuse me. I find it kind of strange that he reverses the order. So if you look at the Bible and in the book of Revelations, it talks about a second death. It talks about the first death being the physical death and the second death being the spiritual death, the removal of your proximity to Christ, the the disconnection from you and Christ as uh, discussed in Revelation, being that second death. So in his article, Dr. Calhoun here is sort of flipping the script on that, and I think, I don't know why he's doing it, if it's just a a deliberate inversion or if it's just sort of uh, artistic license in his own writing here. But he discusses the first death in his article, uh, and I don't think he's, he's necessarily saying this is biblical here. I think he's just using this in his article to say, okay, in my article, I'm going to say first death is spiritual death, and the second death is the physical death, the death of the body. 
So he does flip the script on that, which I found a little bit confusing to me because I had to read this a lot. I, I read this over and over again, and I was bringing out the Bible and looking and comparing and going, what in the world? And, you know, it wasn't making sense. But uh, he's talking about the pale horse of the apocalypse there. And he's talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming in, bringing these biblical things. And he's listing them in this table here. He's talking about sword, famine, pestilence, and wild beasts with these four horsemen of the apocalypse. And what he's doing here, I'll go back and forth so you can follow along with me. What he's doing here is he's saying these are the elements as discussed in Revelation that will bring down the death of society. The end. And he's drawing those parallels and saying, okay, this is what we're looking at in the biblical text, and I'm going to apply that as an analogy in a mice study. So he's drawing those conclusions, and he's drawing parallels and saying, okay, well, in the human world, we have sword, famine, pestilence, and wild beasts. And he's going to basically draw parallels and say, this is how that would look in the mice population. So that's what he's putting in there. He's saying sword is immigration, famine, resource shortage. And he's also saying inclement weather would also be a variable that would be similar in the mice population. Pestilence, he's still using disease as pestilence. And wild beast, he's saying that's predation. So in his utopian society... In his university, Universe 25, excuse me, and his previous studies, what he's doing is he's basically covering those elementals that would be causing the downfall of society. So he's covering that in his study. So he goes on to sort of further explicate and examine what that means. So immigration, he's saying, okay, we're not going to have any other uh, migrant species of mice coming into our habitat. It's going to be locked down. We're going to have a certain number in, and from that certain number, we can have reproduction. We can have movement within that universe, but no more. We're not introducing more variables into our study. Nay, nay. So he's taking that out. Next on the countdown, he's talking about famine as the main catalyst there. So he discusses those variables being defined and controlled as well, where he's saying they're going to have this much food, which will be ample amount of food each day. And he's also discussing that they're going to clean the, the droppings and the urine and so forth at this specific time each at each um, interval in the study. So that's not going to be a problem either. So we're not going to have any immigration of new mice. We're not going to have any sort of resource shortage. They're going to be given proper uh, papers and things for bedding. They're going to be given proper amounts of food and water, and we're even going to take care of the droppings and the, uh, the urine and so forth. That's going to be not a problem. Next, he's talking about pestilence. That variable is going to be controlled for also because all of these mice prior to being put into our perfect universe here are going to be cleared of any sort of disease or pathogenic disease, I should say, that could be transmitted from one to the other, you know. So that's going to be clear. Next, we're going to take care of the variable of wild predation. Because in our perfect utopian society here, we're not going to have wild predation. Because, of course, it's a controlled little environment. Our perfect little universe here. So, I mean, I don't really 
know that Dr. Calhoun was, was drawing these parallels, but I will draw myself. He was playing God here. That's all it was, folks. He was playing God. He was the God of his universe. He was putting forth his own Adam and Eve of the populations. They were all going to be in pairs, male and female, just like Noah's Ark. He was controlling for all the variables. And he was creating a little mice heaven on earth just to see how things would play out. So that was pretty obvious that that's what was going on here early on. And he has this whole thing split up into several phases. I'll put this on the screen for you as well, and we'll sort of move on in our discussion here. The first image there is an image of Dr. Calhoun in the center of his, of his mouse universe, if you will. And discussing that, uh, let me see. Phase A, he's dividing this alphabetically, not numerically, but in phase A. This is what he's got. After 21 days of isolation following weaning, there was a period of 104 days. That's phase A. Let me scroll on down so you can keep up with me here. There we go. At the end of the third page here. So 21 days following the weaning, we got 104 days, which is phase A. And there were four pairs of 48-day-old bald sea strain house mice. That's the, uh, the subjects for our study. So during phase A, we basically just got uh, the acclimation of the subjects, if you will, to their environment. So they've all been cleared of disease. They've all been isolated after weaning. They've all been paired off male and female together. So this is what we got. Four pairs of 48-day-old mice. So we got there. So he goes on to describe in the context here what we got going on. We got turmoil. I'll put that back up there for you. Considerable social turmoil among these eight mice until they became adjusted to their environment. So we didn't have a perfect world to begin with. Everybody's kind of jostling, kind of getting acquainted, kind of saying, hey there, what's up? How's it going? And I realize this is not a parallel, but I kind of look at this as uh, the real world for, for a contemporary example. And I don't think that's contemporary anymore. I don't think they even do that show. But nevertheless, we all know that was a bunch of hogwash anyway. There is no reality TV. It's all scripted. It's all just a sham. But if you remember those old real world shows, especially that first season, and then a few after that, it was kind of obvious they were just uh, pulling the smoke or wool over our eyes, but at least you had those first days where everybody's getting used to each other. A little bit of turmoil. Hey, you put your socks over here. Hey, I don't like these socks over here. I like to eat at 3 in the morning. Well, I like to begin my day at 6 in the morning. You know, that's sort of just social jockeying that you might see for position in a contemporary society. So we got that. Let's move on. What else we got? So we have the B phase. Phase B. Phase B. Everybody's a little, little bit more comfortable. In phase B, what we got going on is the most rapid growth. Phase B. So phase B, we got all kinds of population explosion. The population bomb, if you will. <laughs> this progression of numbers was approximately 20, 40, 
80, 160, 320, and 620 after nearly five doublings. He called this period the period of most rapid growth, phase B, at 620 weaned mice. The rate of population growth abruptly decreased to a doubling time, approximately 145 days. So, I'll put this back on the screen for you. So once again, you had a big boom, and then you had a a sort of steep leveling off period. That's kind of where we were just mentioning there. Steep leveling off period. So that was phase B. We had a big population growth. Nothing too much to worry about yet. Everything's going all right. So then we move on. And we begin to see some problems. So as the population begins to explode here, we see some issues. So we'll we'll continue to talk about the, the B phase, I suppose, if you will, to a lesser extent. And then we'll move on to where things really get dark. So some of the stuff that we begin seeing... In the B phase, I think it's kind of self-evident to most of us these days, but let's just go ahead and talk about it so it becomes very clear. So what you're going on in the B phase is you see territories begin to be established. You begin to see dominant males really uh, showing the hierarchy, really, is what you got going on here. So you see the dominant males taking the lead you see a hierarchy develop. You see uh, organization develop as far as territoriality. And you begin to see those dominant males defending their territory. And you begin that uh, that subordinate male. And uh, that sort of relationship becomes kind of obvious here. The most dominant males are going to be the most active ones. And all these sort of variables are going to begin to connect. So you have more dominant males. What does that mean? They're more aggressive that also means they're more active. That also begin begins to translate over into more and more mating opportunities. So their reproductive fitness, if you will, is going to be higher. So that's going to kind of be, I would say, a no-brainer. That's going to kind of be obvious. But in case you were missing those points, that's what's going on in, in phase B as well. So usual suspect sort of stuff. Dominant males getting more reproductive fitness mating with more females, passing on their genetic code to to further offspring, all that stuff. All right, let's not belabor that point. Let's move on a little bit into the C phase. Beginning at day 315. Let me see. Let me move on down here. I think I'm on a new page. I don't want you to lose track. Beginning on day 315, after colonization and continuing for 245 more days, the population grew at a much slower rate. So things began to level off at a at a end of sort of the B phase, and then it began to taper off as we move into the C phase with this population. As the usual large number of young gained adulthood, they had to remain, and they did contest their roles to be filled in the social system. So really what's going on here? Hold on, let me see here. 
I'm trying to sort of show you this as well as discuss this, and it's not working very well. So I'll just sort of keep discussing and try not to show you as much. Maybe that'll help you a little bit. So what's going on here in the C phase is our population has really begun to grow exponentially. There's no competition over resources, really. They've got all the food and all the water they want. There's no predation to worry about. There's no disease to worry about. There's no immigrating mice population that's going to take over and really affect their universe 25, their perfect community, so to speak. Uh, some things I found very obvious here. A mouse that was attacked would later become an attacker. I think that's kind of obvious. Then we see that translend, trans, translate, translend. That we see that translate into just typical psychology. Someone that's been abused will become an abuser. I mean, we see that eight days a week and twice on Sunday in our society today. And it's it's a reflection of that. But we see that in the mice population too. I just thought that was kind of a telling point here. Uh, so what we got here is a lot more mice being produced than are going to be able to fill many of these roles within the mice population. Because in this utopian society, we don't see the usual die-offs and the typical lifespan of mice that we might see in the wild. So what that causes is it causes the males that are unable to rise and fill these positions to just sort of build up that population and build up that population. And as they're unable to take over these roles in the community, they become withdrawn. They become sort of socially isolated. They just withdraw and take on less and less of a role within the society. And here's where we see that death squared because all these things are coupled together and they invert upon each other and cause this sort of circular cyclical death of the community and of the eventual entire mice population. So as these males that are unable to fill these roles just sort of fade into the background, they become isolated, they become lethargic, they just become ghosts in the machine, if you will. They're not filling any roles. They're just sort of taking up space. They're still eating, they're still drinking, they're still existing, but they aren't procreating. They're not alphas, they're not even sheep in the population they just sort of fade into the background and within those populations we still see aggression arising and i would sort of mark that as aggression perhaps due to their lack of fulfillment their lack of fulfilling these typical roles so they begin to fight amongst themselves they begin to fight amongst their their beta incels within the population so that's what we're seeing within that let's move on we got a lot to talk about and we got uh Way too much time to talk about, probably. Uh, let's move on to the next one here, because I think this is very key. I'll put these on the screen for you once again. So what we got going on here is a lot of beta males within the population. The alphas are becoming more and more concerned with fighting off those upcomers from the, the juvenile and the young adult population, if you will. So the alphas are becoming less and less concerned with defending their own territory. So the territories begin to break down within the mice communities. The females, since so much is going on with the alphas defending against those uprising youngers and the breakdown of the territories, you have the females beginning to take on the role of defending the nests. 
So you see females beginning to take on alpha male responsibilities or even beta male responsibilities as far as just defending the offspring and defending their nests. So that's a key to this whole thing as well. Another element that you see with this. I think I'm putting on the wrong screen here. Let me see. You'll roll this down because I'm on this page now. And at the top of this page, it really gets into that. So before we move on, I want to get into that as well because also you see such a rise in the population. You see the females defending the nests. You see the, the betas just fading into obscurity, fighting amongst themselves. The alphas are still trying to hold on defending their own alpha state against the uprisings and also in doing so breaks down the continuity of territory so that's a problem also you're seeing the females begin to reject their parental responsibilities the females now begin to abandon their young they begin to sort of infant park and put their infant mice in nests sort of away from the female while she's trying to hold on to other responsibilities so in doing so, they are abandoning their own responsibilities, and that's going to cause a social breakdown in the norms and in the parenting roles and in the socialization of their offspring. So that's going to be a problem. Also, other stuff you're seeing within this, you're seeing the younger mice begin to leave the nest earlier and earlier before they've been properly socialized and taught the norms and standards of that society. They're leaving the, the, the nest, if you will, at a younger and younger rate. They've been sort of pushed out, isolated, and abandoned. So they're not properly normalized nor socialized. So they're taking on these roles inadequately at a younger and younger rate. What that's causing is that same sort of secular death squared that Calhoun began as the title of his article. So in doing so, they're unable to fulfill their responsibilities and take over alpha roles. They become betas. They become fading into the abyss and just infighting amongst themselves doing nothing. You got that going on. Next, you got the beautiful ones. That's what so many people have discussed this Calhoun article and his others, discussing the beautiful ones. The beautiful ones... These are the ones that are sort of the uh, stay-at-home couch potatoes in their 40s at mom and dad's in the basement playing video games, drinking, and smoking weed. That's kind of what's up here. So the beautiful ones, we'll move that right to here on page 85, the beautiful ones. There we go. So much like we're seeing the females abdicate their responsibilities, the male counterparts to these non-reproducing females, we soon dubbed the beautiful ones. They never engaged in sexual approaches towards females. They never engaged in fighting. And so they had no wound scars. Their, their pelage, basically their fur, remained in excellent condition. Their behavioral repertoire became largely confined to eating, drinking, sleeping, and grooming, none of which carried any social implications beyond the rep those represented by... Oh, my goodness. By the... Con Am I reading this correctly? I'm, I don't have any glasses on here. Ta contiguity of bodies. So basically, they were just... Uh, 
doing nothing, folks. So the beautiful ones, and and I kind of skipped over the females here that were not doing anything as well, but the beautiful ones had pretty much abandoned all hope. (laughs) That old Dante's Inferno thing, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. So the subsect of the sort of dismissed ones became the beautiful ones. They didn't even infight amongst themselves. They didn't even jockey for position with the alphas. They just became content with eating and drinking and grooming. They didn't approach females. They didn't fight amongst themselves. They were truly just nothings in the society. They contributed nothing to the social order, the social stability, or even instability. And we also had a rising female population that I I dismissed, but I shouldn't have. The rising female population really did the same thing. So the rising female population was also not interested in producing offspring or mating all that much. Although they did carry more of a social role in standing than the beautiful ones. At least they tried and and made some effort as far as uh, the aforementioned goes. The beautiful ones just did nothing. So I'm probably running way over time here, so I'll try my best to synthesize this in some sort of fashion and draw some parallels. Because I know people are probably just giving up on the show at this point because I've gone too heavy and too academic for you. So what we have here is the demise of a society. It's the demise of a society because, as Dr. Calhoun intimates here, They first died a spiritual death, and then they died a physical death. In this Calhoun society, they lost the spiritual death. And I'm not talking about a supernatural spirit necessarily here. I'm talking a a survival instinct, a spirit to survive. Live, thrive, and survive. That spirit has been lost in the utopian society. And I I think we can draw a lot of parallels here because we're seeing – Early on in the study, we, everything's good. People are a little jockeying, jockeying for position. Then we have people really producing a lot of offspring. But there's no survival instinct in place, really, because everything is provided for. So that survival instinct is lost. And as the obvious alphas take over, there's really this rising population. There's too much of a rising population to even appropriately compete or fill these social roles. So you have this further divide and subjugation between those that are unable to do anything and just sort of fall into space here. Then you have the rising beautiful ones who just don't even want to even try to compete for top dog, if you will, top top mice (laughs) in universe 25. So they've taken away their purpose for being, their raison d'etre. We all have a purpose. And I think a lot of people look to it as, oh, this higher purpose, we have us calling. Yeah, that's true. But I think we can baseline that and just say our raison d'etre is survival. Thrive, survive, live on for that next day. And in this perfect utopian society, that's been taken away because you've got everything you need. There's tons of female mice here. There's tons of food. There's tons of water. There's tons of bedding. Nothing can hurt us. We're in a great society. And all that, I believe, culminates in the death of the spirit. And that's exactly what Calhoun goes on to talk about here. The death of the spirit. 
So first, they experience a spiritual death. There's nothing to do. They're, they're dying of boredom, in essence. The beautiful ones are just sitting around grooming each other, eating and drinking. That's it. No reason detra, no reason to survive, no spirit needed. The spiritual death occurs first, then the physical death. So as we're seeing by the end of this study, at a certain part in this study, it all just kind of goes pluey. I'll, I'll finally just roll on down here and give you some highlights here. <clears throat> Let me see here. What's that, uh, the, the specific date he's got here? Let me pull it back up here. I know somebody's freaking out. Don't worry. Population increase abruptly ceased by day 560 after colonization. A few mice born up to day 600 survived past weaning. So by that day 600, it pretty much all stopped. Their spirit had been killed. There was nothing more to live for. It became mundane, doldrum, boring. So where are we seeing parallels here? I think we're seeing parallels here thanks to FDR and his 1935 Social Security Act. Really wasn't first collected until 1937, but in 35 it was passed. And then you could couple in some other fun goodies of FDR as well as some other fun goodies by LBJ which basically say you can you can get a guaranteed income here. Yeah, we'll give you money just to sit at home and have kids with fatherless homes. We'll take away your live, thrive, and survive instinct because we'll give you some money. This guaranteed living wage, this guaranteed living income that we're seeing postulated as possibility and even already occurring in some areas of the globe, I think we should all take a look at this my study and take a look at those parallels to begin with. Because what that's going to do is take away your reason to live. Because it'll all be taken care of. And a lot of people will be quick quick to point at these various evils in our society. Like we're in this horribly unsafe society where at any moment we could just be killed. But the numbers do not suggest that. Don't suggest that at all. What is it, Dr. Dr. Pinker, am I mistaken? Did a lot of studies on this and basically has concluded that uh, we are at the safest point in human history. I mean, if you look at the news and, and watch the headlines, they'd have you believing that at any moment we could just be gunned down by somebody or die of some other unfortunate death. But we are at the safest point in human history. So this notion that we're all going to die, yes, we will, but we are not living in a completely unsafe society. So that variable is kind of been taken out too. Other things that I think we're seeing, and I'll draw parallels to social media, where parents aren't parenting anymore. Parents are abandoning their kids because they're too busy posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchats and whatever else they're using. So the mothers are vastly doing that and fathers as well. And then you got the fathers abandoning their kids for the game. The game's coming on. Come on, stop it. Be quiet in there. I'm watching this game. Over here with my drinking buddies and we're watching this great game. So we are abandoning our children. It's obvious. Look at them. <laughs> Look at our society right now. 
But then we got a couple in. Latchkey children. What's that term really mean? Latchkey children was really a term popularized in the 60s because that's when we really first saw this generation arising. Because before that, we did not have mothers in the workplace at the high rate that we currently do. So right about now, it's record number of mothers in the workplace. And that really all began and arose in the 1960s with the second wave feminism. And they rolled out that it was also feminine to take your power and join the workforce. Well, that was nothing more than so you could be taxed. So thanks to the Federal Reserve and inflation, the price of goods and services went up and went up and went up. And the chickens really began to come home to roost first in the 1960s. Federal Reserve, 1913, income tax, 1913, all these goodies from Woodrow Wilson. But in the 1960s, we saw more and more women into the workplace, and they masked this with second-wave feminism. Because it's your duty, it's your right to be a strong female. Abandon your kids, put them in nurseries and daycares, and send them to our public schools, a.k.a. K-12 indoctrination. How does it go, folks? College university weaponization. So, further child abandonment. Because who better to raise your children than the state, right? So we got all those goodies coming into place. What else we got? I'm going to roll through this article here and just give you all that we got. So we also got more and more fatherless homes. Thanks to LBJ, right? Fatherless homes. We got latchkey kids. We got fatherless homes. We've got the beta male generation of our current society. And why is that? I would postulate it's because our whole society is too safe. It's way too homogenized, standardized, and sanitized for your protection. The nanny states waiting around every corner to make sure you don't bump your head, scrape your knee, or get even the slightest sense of discomforts. Sound familiar yet? Sound like the mice studies from 50, 60 years ago yet? Is any of this ringing true? So we'll take you down to the very end of the mice study here, and we'll show you just how these things play out. In the conclusion, the conclusion is very telling, I would say. The conclusion really just lays it all out there for him. And I've starred and underlined so much. At the time, the continuing survival instinct of many individuals to sexually and behavioral maturity culminates culminates in the presence of many young adults capable of involvement in appropriate species-specific activities. However... There are fewer opportunities for fulfillment and fulfilling these potentials. So where does that lead us? It leads us to today. It leads us to the mechanization of our society, the Elon Musks and the like. It leads us to this utopian society because everything now is obsessed with sort of two different variables. A, the mechanization of all activity. So now you can get on a motorized skateboard, a motorized scooter, a hover around, a anything motorized so you don't have to do any work. You can go do a self-checkout line at the store. You can have Amazon bots delivering your packages. What all this sounds like 
is the bait and switch. This is going to be great. We're going to have less stuff to do. Oh, boy. What else we got simultaneously? Simultaneously, we have that that push for immortality. So the Bible tells you there's, there's one way to have immortality. Humans and the earth will tell you, we can give immortality. We'll just give you this brain chip, you see. We'll just give you this vaccine, you see. We'll just keep you alive, and we'll even... We'll even extract your essence, if you will, so you can live to fight another day right on down the road. As soon as we figure this whole thing out, we will download your essence into this computer and you will continue to live. Sounds like uh, the my studies again, doesn't it? We'll give you a longer life. We've taken out the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We've given you this perfect utopian society so you can live forever. Well, how'd the my study work out? Competition over those hierarchical positions becomes paramount. The border becomes less important because people are fighting over internal positions instead. Sounds about right, doesn't it? The mechanization of our whole society. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. It's a phrase I like to put out there. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Everybody thinks they're going to get on... Social media and become the next big thing. Become a superstar. So you don't have to work. You don't have to be a plumber. You don't have to be an electrician. You don't have to work at a a store. Because you're too good for that, right? That's reflected in our current society. Because you see so, so many examples of this. Everybody's hiring. But uh, nobody's taking the jobs. There's a lot of variables that uh, have to do with that. But that's kind of self-evident. A lot of jobs available and not a lot of people willing to fill those jobs because they're getting their guaranteed living wage. They're getting their FDR Social Security. They're getting their welfare stay from FDR and LBJ. And this is also mirrored when you see people in retirement age. Once people retire, they lose their raison d'etre in another way. Because thanks to FDR, we got Social Security. We'll give you a little bit of money just for being alive, right? You want to retire at 70, 65, or what are they going to push it up to 85 now? That's all right. You can just retire, and all that money we've stolen from you for your entire life, we'll give you a little bit of that here and there because we know very well you won't be living all that much longer because you've lost your will to live. You're not working anymore. You're just sitting in the house watching Matlock, right? Watching CNN or Fox News. That's not a reason to live. You've lost your raison d'etre. You've lost your spirit. The spiritual death that Calhoun talked about and that I'm talking about too. That's all part of this game, folks. All part of the game. So the culmination of the article is about like that. That's exactly it, folks. Acquisition, creation. I'll put this on the on the screen for you so you can follow along with me because this is doggone important here. Acquisition, creation, and utilization of ideas appropriate for life in a post-industrial, cultural, conceptual, technological society will have been blocked. Just as biological generativity in the mouse involves this species' most complex behaviors, so does Identical generativity for man. 
the loss of these representative complex behavior means the death of a species. Goodness. That was a mouthful there at the end, but I think you get what he's saying and what I've been saying. You got to have a reason to live. You've got to have a reason to live, thrive, and survive. And if the government takes away all those reasons, you're very likely to end up no different than this mouse population. They've given you everything you need. What's the point in getting up in the morning, right? You can just sit around in mommy's basement at 45 and smoke weed and drink some beers and watch Netflix and play video games. Or you can retire at 65 and just sit around and wait for the uh, the death to take you on to the next another world to the next side all right folks i hope you get what i'm putting down here because i think it parallels our society to a t 1973 dr john b calhoun study that is the world we live in right now there is a reason for all this there's a reason why all these globalists want to eliminate a big swath of the population. There is a reason for Agenda 21, for Agenda 2030, the Georgia Guidestones, Event 201, Operation Lockstep. All these things that have led us to our post-COVID world that we live in right now, and most assuredly of COVID, PSYOP-19 and the vaccines, there's a reason why, folks. There's a reason why your food, air, and water are polluted. There's a reason why you can get a cheap meal for 10 bucks, and in contrast, a good, healthy, organic meal for darn near 30, upwards of 40. There's a reason, folks. There's a reason why they don't teach you any of these things in school. Because they want you dead. They want you to be a content compliant slave population for just a few years till they can use you up and spit you out. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Be safe out there. I'll be seeing you sooner than later in the anomic age. Thank you for listening to The Anomic Age, a John Age project. For past shows, further info, and to comment, go to anomicage.com. That's A N O M I C A G E.com. Till next time, thank you for listening to The Anomic Age. I'm <laughs> sorry.